So we keep on keeping on. Hey, humans. I'm Norma Jean, and welcome to Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode number 33, and today we're interviewing Divya Darling, who's a transformational brain trainer, founder of the Intrinsic Brilliance Institute, and co-creator of Your Success Code. It's a really great episode. Divya talks about getting into art and science and how to shift our brain gears um, from survival to self-actualization and a lot of really fun stuff around that. She also gets into her inner poet, which is really interesting and beautiful. And uh, it's overall a really fun episode, so I hope you're going to enjoy. As usual, if you're liking the podcast, we're now on Spotify and Google Play, as well as Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and SoundCloud. So wherever you get your podcasts from, find us. And if you're feeling Bali, if you're feeling like coming to Bali, come for Camp Clarity. It is an all-inclusive retreat for women. It's a transformational week full of authentic experiences, sisterhood, workshops. It's just like none other. It's really the Venn diagram of spirituality and how to level up in our lives in a joyful, inclusive way. So some dates for that coming up are February 17th to the 23rd of 2019 and April 14th to the 20th of 2019. So head on over to join Camp Clarity. That's J-O-I-N-C-A-M-P-C-L-A-R-I-T-Y.com. And here we go. Hello, Divya. Welcome to Stay Wild. Hello, so happy to be here with you today, Norma Jean. Yes. Welcome to the show. So, talk a little bit about what you do and what is a brain trainer. <laughs> yeah, great question. I, I, it's it's funny. It's one of the first questions I almost always get asked, and uh, the short answer is that I support people in bridging the gap between their conscious belief systems and their unconscious behavior. Hmm. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and to kind of uh, elaborate on that a little bit is that if people, if people knew what was the, the thing that was stopping them from creating all that they wanted to do, then they as clever and bright and intelligent as, as they are, they would have, they would have solved the problem, right? But this information often is in the unconscious. Absolutely. Okay. So it's like the person saying they want to go on a diet and they want to lose weight and they just keep eating donuts because donuts are delicious. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That is exactly the, the type of work that I do, whether it's regarding donuts or regarding money or regarding business or regarding relationships that exact type of um, uh, uh, reconciling with the different aspects of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I think everyone has these parts of themselves, right? We have our our best self, you know, our like, I'm going to wake up every day and go running self, you know, and our our, like, I'm going to go on a five-day juice fast self and our I'm not going to text that guy back self. But then you know, the reality of life kicks in and, and what exactly is in that gap? Well, 
It's it's recognizing that each of these selves that we are, I is not a single entity. It is made up of a collection, a composite of these selves, and they each have different values and they each have different priorities. They have separate agendas and they need to be addressed individually. Oh, I and, love that. Yeah. And we need to speak to them on their own. Hey, this part, what is it that you're doing for, for this person? And it's, it's very similar to a uh, corporate board where you have your HR director, you've got your finance director, and everybody's role is to serve the organization in a particular way. And they have their own lens and their own strategy. And they don't always see things the same way. But when there's a disagreement there, we don't say, oh, just chucking you off the board now, you're fired, (laughs) you're sacked. No, right? There's no, um, there's a appreciation of, okay, let's try to understand this person's perspective and what, what is it that they're doing for the organization? So that's the approach that I take when I went with the people that I serve to help them understand all aspects of themselves, mm. right? Train their brain. Absolutely. Because there's parts of ourselves that we do not want to admit are there, right? <laughs> we don't want to admit there's a screaming five-year-old child in there that says, give me donuts. <laughs> Hmm. But and, you know, yeah, there. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and when when we when we admit that and embrace that and say, you know what, sweetheart, you're welcome to be here. Go on and throw your tanty right now. I understand. I yeah. understand where you're coming from. Then that's where the magic happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of feeds back into the idea of vulnerability, right? It's seeing all parts of ourselves and maybe not trying to change them, but just to see them and to mm. acknowledge that they're there. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So within brain training and all that you do, you also do something called MBSR, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction. So I want to talk a little bit about how the mind and the body connect and how you, um, the tools that you use with people and what kind of um, outcomes they have. Because I'm one of those people that believes, you know, our, our body and our, our brain are very closely connected. And when we, you know, try and treat things for one and not all of it, you know, when we let go of that holistic approach, we really lose something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I will say that um, the intrinsic brilliance methodology is comprised of many different components. And one of the things that informs it is MBSR, also known as mindfulness-based stress reduction. And mindfulness-based stress reduction is one of the elements uh, that um, inform our approach in, in acknowledging that when we are present to what's there without an agenda, without preference that it be other than what it is, we can observe consistently that our, our stress response lowers because mm. the stress response is, uh, output of the resistance we have to a particular situation. 
And, and so this is um, me simplifying uh, for your, I, I imagine even though I do have a science background, right? My degrees are in neuroscience, psychology and cognitive sciences. I like to keep things very simple, very straightforward and very anecdotal for anyone listening so that they can all understand yeah. uh, the way that our bodies and brains and behavior, how it's all one system. Absolutely. Said. And I think, you know, our, our physiology hasn't really evolved that much in the last 10,000, 20,000 years, right? So mm. when we think about it, right, when our body is stressed, you know, we may be thinking, oh, you know, we have an expense report due or, oh, there's a deadline or, oh, we're going to travel or, oh, you know, whatever it is, some sort of stressful situation. But our body is like, oh my God, it's a giant woolly mammoth. We're going to die. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And it's really, it's so interesting how stress affects our bodies. And I think in the modern world, in the West, it's not really acknowledged. Well, I I would say that more and more it's becoming um, spoken of publicly, addressed publicly, that um, the, the, the effects of stress on our bodies and, um, well, you know, you, you think about our, our body's stress response. It's only designed for short terms, for short-term stress. Stress is adaptive and valuable and beneficial to get us out of situations in for short-term, right? Essentially, stress is our body's way of sending signals saying, right, let me mobilize the, the, the limbs. Let me get you into action. Let's get this going. And if we're, we're in that space for for extended periods of time, chronic stress, it is the equivalent of driving down a highway in first gear, right? All right. Okay. That's what the equivalent is, right? You, it is not going to be long before you blow out your gearbox. And that, yeah. that is the thing. So um, would it be okay if I can offer a, a tool, a practical yeah. tool? Yeah. Just stay wild. Throw it out there. Okay. Well, one of the things that we teach in, uh, in one of our programs, Your Success Code, is, is this thing um, called uh, how to shift our brain gears, right? How to shift our brain gears. And it, and it puts our attention on our mode of operating. We can tell what mode we're operating in by being mindful of our language. Listening to our language will reveal very easily which, uh, which mode of operation we're in. And, and the analogy, the metaphor that I invite you to have for this is like shifting gears in a car, right? So when we're in first gear, we are in mode of necessity and mode of survival. And that is when our language is, I have to, I've got to, I need to. And just listen to the language that you hear yourself and most of the people around you said, if, if you hear these words consistently, that mode of necessity, that mode of survival, they will be experiencing stress and burnout after, you know, you can't continue to operate in that mode for a prolonged period of time without experience the, experiencing the side effects, right? So the encouragement that we have is to notice, to be mindful. When we're mindful, then we can be, we can be aware, oh, okay, I'm in mode of survival right now, mode of necessity, and shift up a gear. 
we shift up a gear, we shift up to mode of possibility. And mode of possibility is I can, I could, I might. So let's, um, let's rather than make it theoretical, give me a practical example. What's something in your life that, uh, that had felt like a, um, a have to? Uh, obligation. Oh, I think uh, for me and for a lot of people I know, it's incorporating movement or meditation or having a having a practice. I think you know we put pressure on ourselves to do it every day. Okay, so you know, it's that like do it or fail thing. Yeah, got it. So I have to um, move every day or exercise every day or you know I have to yeah. do it every day. So just observe how that feels in your body when you say that. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> and and then try try on. I can exercise yeah. every day. I could exercise. I could go to yoga. Yeah, it sounds better. You're right. It's more like an option. Yeah. See how that feels in your body? And then let's shift up another gear, right? Third gear is um, the mode of desire. I want to. I want to exercise. Let's take the everyday out of it. So we're present in the moment. I want to exercise. Yeah. And it brings in that joy, doesn't it? Yeah. Observe how that feels. And let's shift up another gear. Fourth gear. Uh, Mode of determination. I will exercise. Oh, I love that. Notice how that feels in your body? Yeah, it's empowering. That's very cool. Absolutely. Fifth gear. Okay. Mode of appreciation. I get to exercise. I love that. I get to exercise. So using this tool, we can actually pace ourselves out of resistance. We can actually pace ourselves into transforming our reality from one of I've got to, to I get to. Yeah, absolutely. So powerful to experience. Um, the the impact of that. Absolutely. So how did you get started on this journey? I know that you have a really big science background, uh, shifting gears a little bit, <laughs> no yeah, pun intended. Yeah. Pun intended. Um, so you studied quite a bit. Um, you've studied neuroscience, you've studied a lot of different science. So what was your journey like to come to the place you are now and in terms of developing and sharing these techniques and empowering those that you serve? Well, it started with me as a um, uh, angsty mm-hmm. uh, adolescent, and I am pretty public about my experiences as as um, uh, a young child that just struggled to. Mm-hmm find a sense of purpose or belonging or fit in and my the the repercussions of that the consequences of the stories that I told myself at the time and the meaning making that I I had because I didn't know any better right none of us do and uh my first suicide attempt was when I was 12. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and and I continued to every I would say about four years have another episode of like deep depression and desperation that would result in me um, attempting to end this chore that I I felt like I had to endure called life that I was just over and didn't want to put up with anymore. And the the reason I, I obviously, I pursued psychology and neuroscience in uni is because I was looking to figure out what's wrong with me. My, it must be broken. Something's wrong with my brain. And, uh, and I was looking to discover what that might be and how to, how to fix it or solve it or um, to just change my experience of life. And what I discovered in, in the psychological approach, like one of the reasons I did per- eventually go down the coaching path mm. rather than the psychotherapy approaches because the psychotherapy approach tends to be as an industry a lot more problems focused mm. and um and pathology focused so kind of quick to diagnose and give a label well you've got depression or um or anxiety and and i appreciated the solutions focus that coaching offered and um when i discovered neurolinguistic programming a lot shifted for me and neurolinguistic programming really delves into the unconscious in a much more profound way than anything that I had come across in all my years of studying at uni and um and the shifts were profound and they were impactful and it's one of the reasons why when when I when I speak about neuroplasticity and uh, the power that we have to reinvent reality, I speak from a place of knowing with every cell in my body, absolutely everything that we have invented for ourselves, that we have created for ourselves can change. It can change. Absolutely. And I think that that story of you know, coming out of that darkness into purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And into really empowering others. You know, the story of healing always starts with being sick, right? The Mm -hmm. story of climbing a mountain always starts with at the bottom of the mountain, right? (laughs) With a bunch of gear being like, oh God, I got to climb this mountain. Um, And so I think it's one of those things where a, a lot of people who have that perspective are much better equipped to enable those around them because they've been there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about what neuro-linguistic programming is? Yeah, sure. Um, Neuro-linguistic programming is often uh, known by its abbreviation NLP. And NLP is the science of subjective experience the science of subjective experience. And so it's, it's basically 
how you construct reality. It's the understanding of how you construct reality, you as an individual. And when I was first exposed to neurolinguistic programming, mind you, I have an academic background, right? So I was very skeptical of it because there weren't any, um, it, it's not scientifically validated. And what I came to discover after that is, well, it can't be because the, the effectiveness of NLP de- depends on the effectiveness of the practitioner. So if somebody's not that, that skillful in it, they're not going to get the same kind of outcomes as somebody who's truly skillful in it. And, um, and neuro-linguistic programming is one of the key elements that, that your success code, our year-long brain training program, is built of. The key things that we can use when we learn these things, we craft ourselves a, a powerful life. That exercise that, that um, uh, we did earlier on shifting brain gears, that's an adaptation of something that I learned from neuro-linguistic programming, which is modes of operating. To be aware of our language, neuro, um, the, the neurology, linguistic, the, um, the language aspect, and programming how the this, this sequence that we use. So the key kind of elements of neuro-linguistic programming is to pay attention to our posture, our physiology, our language and our breathing. Those are the key inputs, our sensory acuity. Fantastic. Yeah, and I think also in traditional um, science or within academia, there is a lack of subjective experience. And obviously, you know, you can't hypothesize and you can't, um, it's harder to explain to other people. But a lot of the work that is the most effective with people that I've personally seen and, you know, that that is a lot, that you know, makes up a lot of the alternative, um, you know, alternative sciences, I guess, or alternative industry of, of helping people is delving into the felt sense is, you know, everyone really embracing their own experience. And I think part of that is also that, you know, when, when we're in a more traditional, um, healing mode or within more traditional, um, sciences right of of medicine or healing or psychology it's really about fitting a person into a box of a diagnosis or a box of a certain way to uh experience the world through something that someone else has come up with but when we delve into that felt sense when we delve into our own experience it's so powerful (laughs) so powerful yeah And I think also there's this element that people, you know, they can't really empower themselves if they're coming at it through the lens of, um, or it can be more difficult to empower themselves if you're coming at a lens of, you know, I am this diagnosis or, you know, I'm, I'm all of these things that this traditional science says that I am versus this is how I feel in my body. This is what my breath is telling me you know, this is how I'm moving forward. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're originally American? American. Yep. Yeah. Born and raised in Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. So you're a D.C. girl and you went to school, I think, in the States and then you moved to Australia? Yeah. I went to school at Oberlin, um, which is an amazing liberal arts uh, school in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. Uh, and, and it's, 
an extraordinary place that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. And then when I moved to Australia, of course, no one had ever heard of it. Overland's yeah. quite well known in the US, but in Australia. It is. Yeah, no yeah. It's, it's quite well known in the US. It's interesting when you move abroad, how people are like, they only know, you know, like Harvard and Yale and Stanford. And then anything outside of that, they're like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, though, though in my heart, I treasure that experience that I had, um, the, the years that I was there mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, even though the prestige means nothing living in Australia. As no, a- no, not at all. And what drove you to move to Australia? Well, the first time I went to Australia, I went as a student ambassador on um, a cultural exchange program. It was a it was a leadership program, and well, we were effectively glorified tourists. But the way that they sold it to us was like, "You're the best and brightest of the nation, and we need you to go across to Australia and represent." Um, yeah, I've yeah. been on a couple of those. It's nice, but it's like it's a glorified tourist trip. Yeah, we were, we were glorified tourists. Let's yeah, let's be honest. We were glorified tourists, but it was great. It was a fantastic experience, and it was that experience that I had when I was fifteen, where I had a sense of home in Sydney that I had never ever felt anywhere else before. And it was, it's, as we were, as you were talking about the subjective sense, it was that I hadn't even left the airport. And there was just a part of me that just had this, like, I just felt I'm home. Mm. And I had never felt it before. And I, even when I moved, I cried going back to, to, um, the US after that and I knew after that I wanted to live in Australia so I did my study abroad my when I was at Oberlin my exchange was at Sydney Uni which just confirmed I wanted to move back and it was like my one and only goal in life then to move back to Australia and then uh, my partner and I we we did eventually end up moving so the 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 long story is I was on plan F before before we actually made it plan F Mm-hmm. Plan A through E didn't work out. And and each of them were, were um, a blow in its own way. But I, I was so determined, like, I had to be in Australia. And when, when my partner and I did eventually end up moving, we actually, we, we even did a cross-country road trip, in fact, before that to find another place that felt like home all over the North America and Canada and couldn't find anywhere else that, that gave that same sense of home. And so it, Sydney it was and, and traveling all over Australia, there wasn't anywhere else in, in Australia that gave that same sense of home either. It was Sydney, it was Sydney in particular. And so in 2011, we we finally got our um we yeah we got the student visa and then moved and from that permanent residency and um yeah it it is uh uh the the story is the the full story is a story for a book the way in which each little element you know you look back in hindsight and you can you can appreciate so much more of um 
kind of the magic of the way things all unfolded. And, and I have that sense of awe for the whole journey that I had and my love affair with, with Sydney and how um, it transformed into a love affair with Bali, you know, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where, Steve Jobs always said, you know, in hindsight, the dots always connect. And so when we're on our journey, you know, when we're like moving countries or we're, whether it's, you know, trying something new or letting something go, even if it's a tiny, small thing, we always, at the time, I'm like, oh my God, what is this? You know, like, what am I doing with my life? And then you look back six months later, a year later, five years later, 10 years later, and you're like, oh, right. Okay. And so I think it's about following that gut instinct as well. Yeah, spot on, babe. Absolutely. Yeah. So within the Intrinsic Brilliance Institute, what do you do when you work with people? I mean, when you when you when someone comes to you and they say, I want to level up, right? I want to bridge the gap from, you know, saying I want to go running and eating donuts to going running. Um, what are what are some of the um what's some of the science? Um, I know you mentioned neurolinguistic programming. Um mm-hmm. and and um, yeah, and so how do you apply that science to the the clients that you serve? Yeah, well, uh, great question. One, when people come to work with me, often they are under the impression that they have a brain, a brain meaning one brain. When in fact we have three brains. Yes, we have three brains: the head, the heart, and the gut are all complex adaptive neural networks and as such they are bona fide brains so when i am working with someone whether it be one-to-one which less of of the work that i do these days is one-to-one most of the people that i serve are through your success code because that's our year-long brain training program where we where we really help people empower themselves to understand the the tools for how they're invent how they're creating their own reality because when we know that then we have the power to reinvent it and create it more skillfully like that's when we're really truly empowered yeah and, and it's not and it's not denying certain parts of your life i think it's the you get to frame your story um how it best serves you absolutely Absolutely. Well, to, to frame your story, how it best serves you is to have an awareness of that there is a story for us and to kind of question and pry apart the places that you didn't even know you were telling a story. <laughs> but there was a story there, right? Because that story was so deeply held, you're not even conscious of it. Right. And it just is reality to you. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's what I do. That's what I do is the places where people don't know that there's story being held to shine a light there and say, oh, here this spot? What's the structure of this? And to bring light to that so that they can uh, have an experience of choice around it, conscious choice, where at one point in time, it didn't feel like choice because it felt like it just is. This is just fact rather than, no, there's a story here, you know, and then and, um, it too can change. Absolutely. So with the head, the heart and the gut, what are some things that you work with each one of those systems? 
so with that in particular, one of the tools I use is known as multiple brain integration techniques. And I can um, offer your your Stay Wild listeners a, um, a multiple brain integration uh, meditation if they would like as a, as a download. What I would recommend it as a as a download and to do the process when there's an experience of conflict. So this particular tool, like I use a different tool for different tools for different reasons, right? Depending on what someone shows up with. If someone shows up and they have an experience of part of me really wants this and part of me wants this, and there's an experience of inner conflict this is one of the go-to tools I use. And the reason why is within, within about less than 10 minutes, I can create a really profound shift in someone. Uh, well, honestly, they created them themselves. I just help them transcend their thinking so that they can access this wisdom that they didn't know that they already have, right? Um, and, and so it's, it's a process of speaking to each brain individually, asking each brain specific questions that only the brain can know the answer to. Because sometimes when people, uh, well, let's take purpose, for example. A lot of people that say, oh, I'm not sure what my purpose is and I don't, I don't quite know what I'm, what I'm here to do in life. Well, they're asking those que- purpose questions only the heart brain can answer. Head brain doesn't have access to that information. Heart brain stores that. So we have to be able to, to, to ask the appropriate questions of the appropriate brain. Each brain is responsible for different things. Yeah, and um, absolutely. I mean, you know, two plus two is a, is a logical question. That's a brain question. But if you're like, what's my life purpose? You know, you're never going to get that with two plus two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. We'll have that in the show notes. That's amazing. And I think it's really incredible that you, you break it down in that way. Um, and what are some things about the gut that, that are unique to the gut brain? Well, gut brain looks after self-preservation, uh, like core identity, deep seated core identity and mobilization. So, um, that's why you, you can hear in the language when someone says, oh, they didn't have the guts to do it. Well, yeah, because it's, it's the gut brain that's responsible for us taking action. So I know that if someone, if someone that I'm working with, I have a, a small handful of clients that I serve on retainer. And, um, and if I'm working with someone week after week and they've said that they would commit to something one week and it hasn't been done the next week. I'm looking to see which, like, where's the gap here? What is the system that is offline? Often it's the gut brain wasn't fully on board uh, because the action wasn't taken. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for, for a lot of people that, um, that instinct, you know, that drive really comes from the gut. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, for all of us. And, and sometimes there's things suppressing it that, that need to be addressed and explored first, right? Concerns that are in the way. Yeah. What are some common themes that you find um, that, people, uh, that people have in terms of suppressing that gut brain? Well, what I see most often is people doubt their own intuition, their own wisdom, their own brilliance, because it doesn't make sense. 
right? We, we live in a world where um, we're taught and trained to be so externally referenced and to look to experts and to look outside of ourselves for answers and to um, follow other people's methods and, and, and all of that just brings us further away from our truth most of the time, right? There's, there's, sometimes it works like I find when I'm following somebody else's system, it, I get hit or miss results because sometimes it'll work for me and sometimes it won't. When I am offered kind of an ability to access the tool that, that you know, the person's use so I can cleanly apply it to my own reality, my own system, then it's much more profound. Then it's much more powerful because I'm not filtering through somebody else's reality. It's my own wisdom that's guiding me. And the results, you know, reveal that. The results show. Absolutely. And I love what you said about being like externally referencing, right? A lot of the time in the world, we have to explain who we are to other people. And that can be valuable sometimes, right? When you're meeting people and you say, you know, hi, I do this or I do that or, you know, I've done something or I know something or whatever it is. Um, But I think a lot of the time we attach ourselves to those labels in a way that can be limiting, Mm. Um, in a way that we have to, you know, explain who we are and then we have to be that person or that version of ourselves at all times. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, um, that does limit us from being our honest, authentic expression of what's there in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've had a lot of artists on the show and a lot of creative people. And, you know, I think when you tell people that you make art or that you have a creative practice, uh, first of all, other people say, oh, I wish I could do that they can, of course, you know, everyone can create, everyone can draw and sing and write and dance, you know, it's Mm -hmm. inherent expression as human beings. But I think also there's the pressure on the artist of, oh, what is, how successful is that work? What does does it have to mean? You know, how, what do I mean through it? Um, And I think it's interesting because it just can be an expression and we don't have to be defined by our credentials or by where we went to school, or by how we create, or what we create, or what we've done in the past. Absolutely. We don't have to be defined by anything that we don't consciously choose or allow ourselves to be defined by. We don't have. Yeah, but I think it's it's so interesting, the work that you do, because... uh, so many of us are (laughs) in the world. And, you know, there is a logic to it, right? When you meet someone that does something, right? If someone says, I teach yoga, then you think, okay, maybe I'll go to their yoga class. So there is, there is some value to it. But I think a lot of the time people attach a little bit too much in terms of identity or expectation or success around that. So that's really beautiful that you work with people around those beliefs. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with Divya Darling. Right, humans. We'll get back to Divya in a bit, but I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about Camp Clarity. 
we have some upcoming dates in Bali for women to come and transform their lives. These are empowered workshops, women who are like-minded and ready to level up in their lives, authentic Balinese experiences, luxury villas. It's incredible. I mean, amazing plant-based food three times a day. It is a life-changing week. The dates coming up for that are February 17th through 23rd, 2019, and April 14th through 20th. So if you're feeling like Bali is for you and you want to come and connect in, go to Join Camp Clarity, J-O-I-N-C-A-M-P-C-L-A-R-I-T-Y.com. And back to the show. All right, humans, we're back with Divya Darling, transformational brain trainer, founder of Intrinsic Brilliance Institute, and co-creator of Your Success Code. So before the break, we were talking about labels and how people value success, right? And how we have to externally validate ourselves sometimes. And when we do that, or when we externally, not even validate, but label ourselves, we leave behind... um, that connection with self about what success is, how we can achieve it, and how we can really connect with all parts of ourselves, our head, our heart, our gut. And so Divya, I want to hear a little bit about the thing we haven't talked about, which is your success code. Yeah. Well, the reason we we named it your success code is because it would be, it would be, in in my humble opinion, it would be utterly insane to think that that everyone sees success the same way. Because in in my experience, no two people have the exact same vision and goals and idea for what they would like to experience in, in this lifetime. And so part of naming it your success code we've this has been a program that we've been developing and working on for uh my co-creator and i about eight years now right so the better part of a decade and and it um started out called as being called the excellence program and when when the the journey of it if is it is it okay if i take you along the journey yeah this is stay wild we want to hear that journey Okay, so um, so as you know, when I started out playing in this space, brain training, it's because not because of my academic background, but because of the lived experience I had had when I had a profound shift of having experienced my, how different my life was when my brain was trained, right? So my external environment stayed the same. I was still in the same job and I... I had the same partner and all that, but I felt so differently on the inside after having had the experience. And that's when I was like, oh my God, this best thing since sliced bread need, need to make sure that everybody in the world knows that, that reality is something that we invent on the inside. Uh, and, and so went about teaching people in, in the way that I knew how to, which was a very hard science approach to neuroplasticity. Well, what happens when we think a thought, the more often we think a thought, the, um, the more quickly we think it, the more easily we think it. So I, I was working with people in, in that capacity. And, and what I found was the people that put in the effort got great results uh, and the people that didn't, didn't. 
And that to me was just fair and fitting because if you don't do the work, how are you going to get the results? That's what I thought. Up until I met my current co-collaborator, Bestie, um, at a training, Deb Mays, who uh, was so extraordinarily, extraordinarily skilled in the modality of neuro-linguistic programming that she never let on she was using it. And I couldn't work out how was it possible that I was getting such profound shifts, such profound transformation in what just seemed like a casual 15-minute chat. Like, like the, what, to give you an example of one such experience, um, we had a virtual coffee, chatted for maybe 20 minutes or so. And that same afternoon, I recorded a video I'd been procrastinating on for two months for my website. I, that, that, that was on a Monday, the Wednesday. I took action on creating a gratitude journal, which is one of the things that I'm, I'm one of the creations I'm most proud of today, having brought into the world. But then it had been an idea for over a year. And I actually started creating the mixed media collages to bring that to life. And then that, that Friday, I signed my first um, uh, diamond client, which I hadn't, what was three months into business at that point. So I hadn't ever signed a diamond client yet. And all of that happened in the span of a week. And I was like, the only thing that was different was that conversation. Whatever that was, I want more of that. And then I started on what was back then known as the five-step system to excellence, which Deb originally created when she noticed that people that she was serving again and again have the same problems show up. And these are structural things that we need to be aware of in how we invent reality. So she created them as resources for her clients. Um, focus sheets. She would um, write a focus sheet based on, oh, here's this um, thing that we need to be aware of. So earlier when I spoke of modes of operating, the shifting brain gears, that's now a focus sheet in the program. Uh, and so that's how it was first developed. I think when I started back then, maybe there was something like 35 of them. And um, and I thought it was, they were wonderful. I asked if I could uh, also use these resources and share them with my clients and if I could contribute in, in some way. And so that's when the uh, collaboration first began. And that was about five years ago. And from then it evolved to the from went from the five from the five step system to excellence to the excellence program. It, it used we used to send them out manually. It then became automated delivery. And in the most recent iteration of it, it is it was rebranded to Your Success Code. It's got a bona fide members portal now, and um, and each each time we update the content, add new content. Now there's fifty focus sheets. And in our current version, it's you get lifetime access. So when we, when we update any of our content, our, our members get access to the, the most updated content ongoingly. And so that's just one of the aspects of the program because the program really has four pillars. One is the focus sheets, right, which is the learning program because you got to have the materials, right? You think of when we are embarking on a change process, we need, we need some information, some quality information to guide us. And I'll give you an example of that. It's funny, I use the metaphor of, I keep referring to driving manual cars recently, but I actually haven't driven a manual car since I was in Tasmania 
in 2010, I think, when I was driving a camper van. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) I I still don't know how to drive a manual car, so better than me. Yep. Yeah. So, so I was, and and that was the last time I drove an, and uh, so when I was borrowing a friend's car recently here in Tamworth, it was a manual car and uh, my, my husband couldn't drive because of like torn calf muscle and he, but he knows how to drive manual. And I was saying, when do I shift gears? Help me remember when, when it'd been so long, right? It was eight years since I last did it. When do I shift gears? And he was saying, oh, you just feel it. You just, you just feel it. But when someone is new to the, uh, they don't have that level of mastery. They don't know how to feel it. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know how, what do you mean? You just go with your gut. What does that feel like? So we break it down for people who are just beginning on this journey, just beginning the, the, the journey inside, home to self, to really getting to know themselves, to these are the things to look for in very simple, basic language. We designed it for people who, if you're busy and can only spend 10 minutes a week, fine. It, read your focus sheet or listen to it. It will take 10 minutes and it gets kind of uploaded in your, it's written for the unconscious, right? So it gets uploaded and then you move through your week and you notice things shifting. So um, that's, that's one aspect of it. And then we, it's a year long program. The reason why it's a year long program is that we recognize that whilst unconscious change can happen in an instant for our conscious neural networks to support them they take a bit of time yeah Yeah. they take a bit of time to rewire so that's part of the reason why we've got weekly coaching every week for the full year and and we one of the things that we have in this newest version that we're both really excited about is called real-time coaching so that instead of when you're you're in when you're in the middle of a stuck state when you're in the middle of an unresourceful state you can reach out to someone you can reach out to your coach and in that process, transform that in the moment rather than continuing to stay in that loop and reinforce that stuck state. So we, we really we put a lot of time and care and energy and thought into designing this program. And the whole focus of it was quality brain training at a no-brainer price point so that everyone can afford to access these tools, which Deb and I believe are essential. They are essential knowledge. It's like you know, a user's operating guide to brain and body. If we don't have this information, then we're, you know, think about it. If you have the best state-of-the-art software and you're not told how to use it, well, you'll only be able to do so much with it compared to if you're given a, a really quality user's operating manual. So that's the premise behind this program and the kind of journey to to birthing it into the world so it's still and it's constantly being iterated right we're we're um we're constantly iterating it and and right now our focus is on really developing more a stronger community support system so people don't those of us who are kind of oddballs and misfits in the extraordinary we we know that we have a group of people that are there that we can turn to so we don't feel alone and um well, any of us can feel tempted to externally reference. So to have 
group, to have a community of people that will call you home to yourself, really, and, and remind you to go inside for your definition of success. What's success like to you? What do you want? And to use the tools that we're teaching and, and practicing week by week. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think in, in the modern world, success is, has, is very limited. You know, it's money, it's fame, it's exposure. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, that's not what success is. Mm, that's not what it is for me on any level. At yeah. all. <laughs> but you know, when, when in the age of media, you know, in the age of social media and, you know, the media being so ubiquitous everywhere you turn, you know, it's mm. social media, it's TV, it's print, it's, you know, everywhere. And I think, you know, a lot of people feel that pressure. They feel like, you know, that is the only definition of success when in truth, success can be small goals. Success can be personal goals. Success can be, you know, a a milestone on your path, on your journey. Mm, mm. And, and the more fully that we're, we're living in alignment with what we, with what our kind of soul spirits, true definition of success is the more fulfilled and free we feel in our lives. Um, those are my words for it. Other people might use words like inspired or, ex- or um, happy, joyful, content, what have you. They, they all just point to the experience of an expansive quality of life. And that's the thing. One, one, yeah, on yesterday's Life Labs call, w- what was really interesting to note, uh, two people were speaking, one person was talking about fear, right? Um, and she, her motto was, fear, get out of here, is what she said. And then there was someone else that was who shared her philosophy was no fear, K-N-O-W fear. And I just reflected back, well, those are two different strategies, both with the same underlying goal of supporting you in um, being comfortable with the uncomfortable, being comfortable and recognizing each of us will have our different strategies and what works for someone might, you know, what works for somebody else mightn't work for you or might work for me. You know, it, we, we get the opportunity to experiment and play with what works for each of us, you know, in this space where there is no right or wrong way to be. It's the freedom to show up as you are. Yeah. Amazing. And I think also, you know, within that people have that pressure of, you know, feeling like they have to show up as a certain person or as a certain archetype or with a certain label. Uh, but when we let go of that, we can really feel free to walk our own unique paths. Absolutely. 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 Well, Divya, darling, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and today we have a special treat because Divya is going to read today's toast poem. So here we go. It's called Blindness. Stubborn is what you call me when you can't comprehend my conviction. Arrogant is how you judge me when you're jealous of my self-confidence. Stupid is the label you slap on me when your values don't align with mine. Selfish is what you accuse me of being when you want me to prioritize you over my spirit's call. Lazy is the insult you hurl at me 
when you're afraid of not being enough. Lying is how you interpret it when you're puzzled by my paradoxes. But your words glide over me like rain streaking down a window pane. I know the truth of who I am. I've met the fullness of me and I know all that I am. I can't see me clearly when I'm not looking through love's eyes. The divine sees me as I am, infinite intelligence. I, I knows me intimately and I know I, I, it resides inside. And I know faith can perceive what fear cannot. People talk of love's blindness, though in my experience, it is judgment that is blind. Blind to the beauty and brilliance that is already here now in this immediate moment. This one of a kind, never to be experienced again moment. The present, a present. Can you see it? Are you watching? Or have you, too, gone blind? Blink again. A new moment has arrived. Will you see me now through love's eyes? That's it. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much. Once again, Divya Darling, transformational brain trainer, founder of Intrinsic Brilliance Institute, co-creator of Your Success Code, and poet. All right, humans, that's our show today. Big thanks to Divya Darling for coming on, transformational brain trainer, founder of the Intrinsic Brilliance Institute and co-creator of Your Success Code. Divya, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom and your beautiful poem. You can find all of her information on our show notes, staywildpodcast.com, and you can find us now on Spotify and Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts from. As usual, today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer, songwriter, daily doodler, transformational Women's Week workshop facilitator, and uh, the music on the podcast is also mine. You can find it on Spotify. And the, it's from my latest album, Bali and Back Again. So until next time, humans, stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.